The question is this, what is it that has some of us find our way to the top of our game, to overcome adversity and challenges, resistance and self-sabotage, to rise from the ashes time and time again? What is it that has everyday people just like you and I act boldly in the name of their passions and live out their wildest dreams in this lifetime? That is the question, and this podcast has the answers. My name is Carrie McCauley, and this is Choose Unstoppable. Hello, and welcome to Choose Unstoppable. My name is Carrie McCauley, and today, you guys, I am joined by uh, someone who is quickly becoming a dear friend. Her name is Justina Page. And boy, does she have a journey to share with us today. Let me tell you a little about her. She's an international speaker and natural storyteller who inspires audiences with a powerful message of hope and triumph. And there is no doubt that she will be doing that for us here today. She's also the author of an award-winning book called The Circle of Fire, which tells the story of how her life was changed forever when fire swept through her home. And in a little bit of an exciting announcement, she also has just launched a podcast called In His Arms uh, two days ago, which is really exciting. And we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. But first, Justina, thank you for being here and welcome to the show. It's totally my honor to be here with you. Totally. I love how our paths have crossed. I love how quickly we're becoming fast friends. As I do with most guests, I'm going to ask you to kind of like throw us back Give us a little bit of a sense of who you were before the accolades and the books and the, and the, you know, the success that you're having now. How, what did your journey look like? How did we get here? I'm glad to share. Well, first of all, um, when I look back, I had this thing about children um, because when I was growing up, I didn't have the best relationship with my mom. Um, Thank God that all got reconciled before she passed. So I'm not here to bash her or Mm. any of those type of things, but it was rough. It was real rough. Uh, And all I knew is that if, if, because I didn't plan on having any, but if I had children, if I ever got married, if I ever had children, they would have all of me. Mm. I mean, in a huge way, It, it would be nothing to stop me from being with them whatsoever. So it just so happens um, I wind up going to uh, a college in the University of Missouri at Rolla for engineering, where I met um, this young man, and you don't have time for that story. Couldn't stand (laughs) him at all. Um, We had a bad first meeting. I mean, it was rough. Uh, Eventually, obviously, I got over it. I married that man. Um, And... (laughs) 33 years later, here we are, and we had six children. Uh, Yeah, all boys. Could you tell? I wanted a Yeah, we had six boys, three grandchildren now. But anyway, leading into the story, he was a Shell Scholar. He moved. That's how we got to Houston. This was in Missouri. And uh, I mean, the man is genius. You know, he won a full ride. They gave him a summer internship at Shell and so forth and so on. So we wind up in Houston. And when he graduated, actually, I quit school. I mean, that's how much I meant. I I didn't want anyone watching my children. Mm. I didn't want anyone 
I wanted to be there at all mm-hmm. and all. I was one of the moms that would get on your nerves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they come over there. No, but you could come over to my house where I could see what's going on, where I could know. And I just held tight. you talking about a helicopter, mom. I was ridiculous. Yeah. I When I look back, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, but it, they meant the world to me. They really did. Um, that was my all in all, you know, and. We were a people of faith. Uh, we worked in the church uh, and uh, quote unquote, what we call good people. Now that, that myth got debunked uh, pretty quickly, but that's what we called ourselves. So uh, as life went on, I'll never forget. Um, I was doing something um, that Saturday, March 6th. It was with uh, a group of uh, children of the church. I love children. Mm -hmm. I'm always concerned about how children feel, what's going on with them. Again, it goes back to my upbringing. So uh, I was working with a group of girls who uh, cooked a breakfast for the church. And I had made their little aprons. And I noticed that day that my husband would not put one of my sons down. So real quickly, my sons, Jonathan James, Joseph James, (laughs) Caleb James, Daniel James, because I promised him, I didn't want uh, James the third. He was a junior. We'll give the boys the middle name. Didn't know I was going to have all those boys. So <laughs> when we had the twins, I switched it up. I'm like, it's enough. It's too much. So it was Amos Benaiah and Benjamin Josiah. Mm-hmm. And I noticed my husband just kept holding Amos all day. I was like, you, you need to let him down so he could play. And he would not put him down. I mean, he wasn't sick or whatnot. He just held him, held him, held him, held him. And and so I was busy like I normally am. I'm running around. I'm always running something, running this, running that. And that evening, um, the uh, pastor's wife wanted to go to the mall and, you know, who's up for the mall? I am. You know, I'm surrounded with men all the time. Do they want to go to a mall? No, they do not. So my husband's always glad that someone wants to take me off somewhere. And I mean, you know, I literally spent the whole day away from the boys in one sense, because he he took the initiative to watch over them while I worked. And then he watched them while I went. So when I got home, he had already bathed them and put everybody to bed. You know, I have a good husband. That's my brown I really well done, do. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I just came in this planted a little kiss on everybody. Even my, my oldest at the time, he was uh, nine. I was still kissing him too. So I was giving everybody a kiss. And I remember I knelt down and Carrie, I was so tired. I couldn't even pray. All I could say is two words, Lord have mercy. That's literally all I said. And I got in bed and I felt life would go on because that was a Saturday night, next day. And, you know, I had ironed all my little shirts and all my little pants for my fellas and had my little dress ready for a service, only to wake up to explosions. TVs popping. And I don't know why these Hollywood pictures put fire with all this light. It's it's complete darkness. Mm. You can't see anything. You feel like you're in an oven. And basically what had happened with us, um, my smoke alarm, my smoke detectors, um, I didn't put batteries in them like I normally do. You do it, you do it, and get on your nerve. And then you decide, I'm tired of this, and you just take them down. So I want to say, don't do that. Don't do that. Be proactive about keeping your batteries in and keeping these on. So second thing is, we're all hard sleepers. We can sleep through literally anything. And we, we slept through all the thing until it got to such a roar. And the carbon monoxide probably had everyone out. So I was the first person to wake up. 
I woke up, I hit my husband in the head. I was like, I almost gave him a concussion. I'm like, the house is on fire. And it was like a state of disbelief. Now, mind you, I was a homeschool mom. Yeah, I did that to the poor kids. They couldn't get away from me for nothing. I even taught them. But I was a homeschool mom and um, we had went to the fire museum. I mean, I was one of those homeschool moms where I ran I ran the whole thing for Southeast Texas for homeschool mothers. We had science labs, we had activities. I ran the science lab. Um, anyway, but my point is we had went to the fire museum for a field trip and we had a fire safety plan. And you do those things to be cute because they they with the fire dog and here's our plan and this is where we meet, but you never expect to have to use it. Point number two, mm. have a plan practice the plan. You never know. And because we had a plan, the four boys, I have a son with autism. Um, uh, my fourth son name is Daniel. He has autism. Uh, and the three older boys, older than him, knew to get their autistic brother and go to the point and wait for their dad. If they not, had not been there, he, would not, he, he wouldn't have been able to get them out. So uh, backing up just a second, he, threw, he throws me out first, of course, because I'm near him. But me being a mom, and I tried to describe the type of mom I am, mm. I know the rules. Mm. Get out, stay out. But your heart doesn't follow rules when it comes to your babies. And I knew the other boys knew the plan. But the twins were 22 months. They couldn't follow a fire safety plan. Mm. So I jumped back in. Oh. So when my husband went to get the boys, I jumped back in. And when I jumped back in, I was trying to get to the nursery that was attached to the master bedroom, but the bookshelf, we're readers. Um, well, he was, truth be told. Uh, anyway, a lot of books and a big oak bookshelf fell on me and trapped me. And I, I mean, I knew it was my end. I really did. Uh, I mean, you can't speak. You're just in excruciating pain. And I'm literally laying there burning to death but my heart was still for my babies. I was still trying to figure out, that mother thing is interesting. <laughs> I was still trying to figure out how to get to them, even though I was literally dying there. Um, somehow, I don't know how, uh, I could hear my, uh, I probably was fading it out, out of consciousness, mm -hmm. and I could hear my husband hollering, where are you, where are you, where are you? Because he can't see. And he's jumping in and out of complete darkness. I mean, he's getting cut up real badly. He's getting burned. And he grabs uh, me and, you know, there's no time to be polite and cute. He literally throws me out the window this time. And um, when he throws me out that time, I mean, I can't do anything. The neighbor has to drag me to the edge of the street and put her head up to my head. And, um, and and they're just, everybody's screaming, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. You know, they're trying to keep me conscious. And I'm screaming, where are my sons? And they'll say, we got one over here. I'm like, no, 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 I've got six boys. Where are my boys? And, and then the, I remember the count getting to about three. And I'm still saying, no, 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 I have six. So meanwhile, my husband, the fire is so intense and so bad. He has to run around the block jump over the neighbor's back fence just to get to our backyard, to get to the nursery. And he pulls out one of the twins. Now, when he pulls out Benjamin, uh, Benjamin is burned face, neck, arms, the baby. And he's not like me. I had the presence of mind not to open my mouth, but he's hollering. So he's got internal burns as well. 
and it, it was just a mess. And before he was able to get the last child, uh, the house just totally caved in back there uh, on him. So it was rough. That was rough. Um, and that's when um, the ambulances came. It was a four alarm house fire. It was a really, really bad fire. Uh, and they took us obviously two by twos and I was in the ambulance. And the last thing I remember, um, I heard this uh, and it sounded like an animal. And I'm like, what is that in my mind? You know, then it hit me, it was one of my children. No. And just that thought took me out and I went out, I went into a coma right there. And I didn't wake up for another six weeks, so. Six weeks? Yeah, that I did. I lost six weeks from that moment. That moment took me out because I couldn't fathom the oh. pain I was feeling. I couldn't fathom my child feeling yeah. what I was feeling. Oh. That literally took me out. Yeah. I, I mean, just uh, sitting here being with you. Yeah. It's like vibrant, generous, beautiful mama. I'm sure you get this question a lot. But I like how how do you come back yeah. from a depth from a darkness like that? I mean, that is a very big and loaded question because I'm yeah. sure it is a big and loaded journey. Yes, uh, it is. But I'm I just want to acknowledge how in awe of you I am, how mm. just beautiful of a human you are to um still have the fire and desire to serve in the way that you do so I, I mean I I just I, I let's go to that six week six weeks later moment you open your eyes and okay so here uh, Carrie here's something about me I'm very honest and real yeah. blunt that's just who I am yeah good or bad so <laughs> it's gonna sound bad after this great <laughs> accolade you just gave me but i opened my eyes and i'm uh intubated uh you know because i can't breathe on my own uh I'm, I'm not used to hospitals you know i was very healthy i was very active i'm hurting i'm i mean uh fire is tough yeah. I'm, it's a pain like no other. I, I've experienced a few things, but this fire thing is a mess. It, 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 the pain itself can kill you. It, it, it hurts. It's yeah. bad, you know, and I opened my eyes. And the first thing I said was, what the hell, God? Yeah. What the hell? Where are you? What happened? <laughs> That's what I wanted to know. And then I was tempted to be angry at him. Now, mind you, I'm faith-based. I believe in Christ. I believe in hope. I believe in love. I believe in him. And I still do, thank God. But at that moment, I'm, I had questions. I was like, what in the world? We All we did was serve you and do good. That's all we do. What? And you you did this and you do that. And, you know, and I, I went on the ac, uh, you know accusation yeah. of, uh, in my mind. And just when I was about to get angry, I thought about it. It's kind of like, have you ever seen a child get disciplined, a uh, spanking? And um, they're getting a spanking and they're upset with their mother, but the mother is the only comfort they got. And so they're, they're trying to reach. And that's kind of what was going on with me. God was the only comfort I knew. He was the only one I knew that could help me. So I reached out. 
to him, even in my anger, even in boy, did I learn a lot of things through that. You know, and he had to let me know he's not the one that goes around setting fires. <laughs> it's a thing called life that happens. And we have to deal with what happens. And I learned real quickly that the only way to get over pain is through it. So I encourage people to engage in the process. It's all there. You know, I have a lot of that I want to talk about in my podcast because a lot of times people feel like they don't have to experience grief. And I'm trying to debunk myths. Every human experiences grief. So I had to go through that process process, then I had to make a decision. Do I want to live? Is there more of life left that I want to live? Or do I want to regulate my life to what happened to me and stay in that box? And I'm a fighter. I'm like, I don't think so. I think I'm going to stand on top of what happened and I'm going to build again. So just to close the loop on that story, not to move on from it, but all five boys made it out and one of okay, the Okay, yes. Uh, yeah, we, we only lost one. Oh. Uh, however, Benjamin uh, was burned severely, the other twin. Benjamin is also now mentally challenged. Uh, they actually told my husband that me nor Ben were going to make it. Oh. That It was 0% chance. I mean, we were really bad off, like really bad off. And they... Uh, my understanding, now I'm in a coma all this time, but my understanding is that they delayed Amos's funeral for three weeks mm -hmm. because they didn't want my husband to be burying us at three separate times. Oh my God. My heart breaks for all of you, for your husband. I can't imagine, I can't imagine what that window was like. And I'm sure he has, you know, one heck of a story all unto himself. Yes. I do have a question about grief. And I loved what you said about the importance of that you have to go through it. And I would love to know any specifics that you can share, because I think what is kind of what can be natural for some of us is just to, you know, pull our socks up and just move through and be like, I should be fine. I have so many other things I should be grateful for. And the balance between, oh, but I could list off my 10 gratitudes versus and try to cover up any of the deep pain or any of the suffering or tragedy how did you reconcile that? Or what advice would you have for someone who is kind of in that place of uh, not really knowing what it looks like to walk through grief, right. to actually process grief? Okay, well, I start with this and this I share with a lot of people. I work with a lot of people who have dealt with uh, some very traumatic situations. <clears throat> Number one, pain is personal. So that's the first thing you have to establish. You can't look at what this person went through. You could have went through the exact same thing, but you're not the exact same people. Yeah. You don't have the exact, you know, because grief is affected also by what you've uh, walked through prior to that point. So you have all these variables going on. So it's your grief. It's personal. That's step one. Um, step two is grief has to be acknowledged. You have to acknowledge what's going on um you can't run from it you can't hide from it you got to walk you got to acknowledge it and then you have to deal with it in your timetable um a lot of people you know oh god i remember so well i think after a year and i think that's because when i got out of the hospital i still couldn't walk or use my hands or none of that stuff i mean i I was out of the hospital and still had a long process. But when I finally was able to walk and use my hands and drive again, 
for everyone around me, it was over. But it wasn't over for me. <laughs> and it's almost like the world carried on. So you got to realize that um, you have to deal with it for the length of time that it takes you to deal with it. I had an interview not too long ago with someone who has an invisible illness and it just kind of took me to that place when I was chatting with her, what we just assume of people by looking at what's on the outside. And, you know, it's exacerbated now through social media and the highlight reels and everything that we're seeing, just that we cannot know what someone is dealing with. Um, no. Yet we just naturally assume mostly if we're good and someone looks good therefore they must be good and were you able to did you have a support system were you able to find people to to reach out did you did you stretch out your own arms and ask for help okay oh I love those questions okay so it's really funny they thought I was a superstar yeah that's how much support I had uh, and that was propels me. That's the driving force behind why I do what I do, because I know the difference that makes. I had so many people flying from out of town. Now, mind you, I didn't see any of these people. Um, and I mean, it was incredible. They were coming all over the U.S. But here's, here's a caveat. I had been kind to those people prior to that time. I had sold seeds of love prior to that time. I had been with people in dark times prior to that time. So when my time came, mm. I mean, it was, I fl it was flooded. They, they couldn't keep everybody in the hospital at the same time. Um, and, and even in general, I, I'll give a shout out to the city of Houston. People we didn't even know came through. And I had, I mean, the support was off the roof, but it made the difference between life and death. And I saw with my own eyes on the unit those who did not have support and they died for lack of hope. They dubbed me at the unit, um, the hope angel, because my reason for doing the work I do on the burn unit and the work I do through my nonprofit is so that no one has to do this alone. So yes, it's very, very important. I didn't have to ask for help. It was there. Mm. I'm not sure if I could have been able to ask. That's a good question, but I didn't have to. I just love how you shared that, you know, you spent a lifetime sowing seeds of love, um, not not because you're assuming you're going to need it just because that's who you are, which I can absolutely tell. So I definitely want to talk a little bit more about now what it is that you do um, to support those going through. I know um, from your intro, your book, The Circle of Fire, I'm assuming is that your story is the, did that book? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Circle of Fire is the book I wrote. <laughs> um, really, I had begun working um, volunteering on the burn unit because of what I saw there. And I got this mama bear thing. It's just who I am. You know, when I see things, I'm a fixer. So I start seeing all these needs. I'm like, why isn't someone doing this? And why isn't someone doing that? Then I got what I call a God tap. And it's like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, okay. I'm really complaining like everyone else. So I started a nonprofit in memory of my son, the Amos House of Faith. And I started just all these various programs to fit the needs that I was seeing on the unit. But um, what's funny is because of my work, my work got popular 
in big big circles in the burn community really quick because no one had seen anything like that. And <laughs> so people said, well, you need to write a book. I'm like, I don't have time to write a book. Don't you see I'm working? You know, they said, well, if you write the book, the proceeds could go to your nonprofit. I said, oh, I'll write the book. <laughs> <laughs> it was 30 days. I kid you not. I had self-published the book and it did very well. It won all kinds of awards and it actually got picked up by a New York publisher. So it's part of the way I, I, I um, sustained my nonprofit and that book turned into eight books. But my point being, um, yeah, that that was all done. That's the Amos House of Faith basically is programs catered to the burn community. I, I work with children, I have a program called the Afterburns Club. And it's secretly Amos and Ben's Club. I did it in their memory, you know. Uh, but uh, everything I do have innuendos, double meanings and stuff like that. Huh? I'm so beyond inspired by you and just what you've been able to accomplish, uh, what you've been able to like persevere through and to provide the world. I am just, I, I truly, you know, bow to your feet and, the podcast now that uh, just came out two days ago on March the seventh. Right? right. Okay. Uh, is what? What's the what's the premise of that? What is the show all about? Sure. So the name of that show is In His Arms, and this show is um, two part, mainly for mothers who have lost their children. So we're going to deal with. Um, what it takes to regain your life after that journey. And each month uh, for the first year is dealing with specific topics that I break down into three weeks where I'm basically sharing. And then I have a guest to come in to share their journey and kind of cap all of that off. It is super, super exciting. It's right where we live. Mm. Um, and just so that people could feel, I think people's voices and feelings need to be validated. That's really what I want to do, because uh, a lot of times uh, we shame people out of their true feelings. And I don't like that. If you're angry, you're angry. Mm. OK, so let's help you not be angry. Don't make you feel bad because you're angry. Something has happened. I would be angry, too, or I was angry. And I believe in telling, being honest about feelings. And I want people to understand that God is big enough to handle your true feelings. You don't have to hide them. I, I feel, you know, such a connection with you. The whole purpose of the Choose Unstoppable podcast of, of this show really was to give a voice to people's stories because, you know, in, in, a, in a, our world, we can feel so alone and we can make the assumptions that we're the only ones going through the things that we're experiencing. I mean, you know, this, this podcast focuses on just the journey of how life impacts entrepreneurship. Yours is highlighting stories of how on earth someone puts themselves back together after losing a child. But I love this medium for the ability to find your people who can truly be your support network. So for those people who are alone, they can find you who is guiding them through this. And uh, I am just, again, so grateful to you for being the kind of person who is serving at your core 
I mean, always it's like, like nothing is going to be able to, you know, rid you of this desire and motivation to serve others. And I'm so grateful to share the planet with you. I'm so honored to share the planet with you uh, and to do work that I could never do because I haven't walked the walk that you've walked. And it takes everyone. It takes each of us choosing our version and so whatever path we have, you know, whatever coals we've worked, walked over, whatever path we have taken, it's our individual story and voice that needs to be shared to serve a particular human, a particular group of people, thousands, hundreds of thousands, or just one. But I, I am, you know, just so grateful that you have chosen to do this and that people have access to you. I'm so excited for the podcast to come out. I mean, what a beautiful gift that is. Your book, you're just, you know, you've just turned this into um, a platform that really is going to save other people's lives. Definitely the go. It's definitely the go. The other part for the podcast, just real quickly, is just any type of loss. Um, secondary, uh, I'm targeting or I'm, my heart is thinking about the mothers who are dealing with so much, but also loss is loss. It might not be the loss of child. It might be the loss of a relationship. It might be the loss of finances. Um, everything I say in that podcast will be applicable to those type of situations. So. Justina, I could talk to you for days, truly. You're just such a beautiful soul and uh, absolutely right, an incredible and natural storyteller. Uh, But alas, this nothing, nothing lasts forever. And so for those of you listening at home, Justina, where can people find more about you? Where can people learn about your uh, work and a little more about your story? I'm splashed all over social media. So you can find me anywhere there, Justina Page. I have a, a, a fan a fan base at Justina Page, and then I have my regular Facebook group. I'm a people person, so if you uh, send a free request, I'm going to say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, um, www.justinapage.com. Um, the book, The Circle of Fire.org, and the nonprofit, The Amos House.org. Beautiful. Uh, And for everyone, uh, I will put all of this in the show notes. So feel free to go over. Uh, And, you know, as from one podcaster to another, and with your super special message, for those of you looking for a way to give back uh, to Justina, the same way she gives to so many, something that would make a huge difference in spreading the word of her show is to head on over to um, your favorite podcast listener and subscribe and rate and review. And let's just lift her up uh, in a way and wrap her arms around this launch so that more people can find out about the work that you do. Uh, I know I'll certainly be doing that right away. So thank you, Justina. Thank you so much. And Carrie, I just have to give a shout out. I'm becoming a fast fan of Choose Unstoppable. Your um, your podcast, truly, they're phenomenal. Thank you so much. Uh, okay, on that note, everyone, I hope you had a box of tissues near you for this episode. And if not, I apologize for not giving you the warning in advance. Let's all go out there. Let's uh, make a difference for someone today. Until next week, Choose Unstoppable.
If our incredible stories and content have got you excited about the idea of starting your own podcast, then I've got something special for you. I'm giving you my free guide outlining exactly how I built this top-ranking and new and noteworthy podcast from idea to tech to launch secrets. You can get it right now at kerrymccauley.com backslash podcast guide, or you can check the show notes for the link. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Your support means more than you could ever know. We'll see you on the next episode.